2: Today is Sunday, May 17th, 2020, and this is Celtics Beat here on CLNS Media, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of your Boston Celtics. Evan Valenti joining you again here today. With Tom Westerholm on today's show, which is brought to you in part by Awaken 180 and BetOnline.ag. Go to BetOnline.ag right now to receive your exclusive sign-up bonus. Again, just a real quick uh, reminder, I uh, unfortunately had a little mishap with my Blue Yeti microphone where I spilt a bunch of hot sauce on it, and I... Pretty sure I killed it. So uh, <laughs> the audio, again, is not the greatest quality. The reason why it's different here than it is uh, during the show is because I'm recording this at a radio station uh, instead of doing it at home. Um, but, yeah, so I, yes, I unfortunately had a mishap where I spilt hot sauce on my microphone. And I'm honestly more upset about the hot sauce than anything else. So uh, just bear with me on that. Uh, but without further ado, here's Tom Westerholm.
3: Welcome into a quarantine episode of Cover Screen here on CLS Media, the leading online provider of audio video coverage of the Boston Stuff. It's Evan Valenci filling in for Adam Coffin this week. Again, he should be back relatively soon. Um, And this week, we're going to be joined by Tom Westerholm of Mass Live, who is, like a lot of us, just kind of bored right now, trying to figure out what the hell we're going to talk about. And because we have, again, just a lot of time on our hands, I thought it would be a good time maybe to start analyzing uh the, the draft a little bit because you know we can all talk about games that are blue in the face but we have no idea like when this is gonna happen. Uh so it's let's at least uh, bring in the other side of, of, of you know the of, of the NBA and, and, and you know another murky part of what's gonna be a weird offseason uh with uh with some with Tom who's just amazing at, in terms of like you know looking at prospects both this this class and next class before we get to anything in terms of you know basketball stuff before we get to that we're to ask Tom how are how have you been? How's life in quarantine been? Um, I have a little gimmick where I ask everybody what are you binging right now.
0: <laughs> um, I've been good, man. Um, you know, it's obviously I miss basketball like everybody else. I mean, it's 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 weird to not be able to just like it's every once in a while on a Thursday I just think to myself like, oh nice, it's Thursday I can just throw on TNT and you're just like, man, this sucks. Like I can't um but other than that I mean it's been good to be home with the kiddo um obviously hanging out with uh, my two-year-old it's been nice to get some time with the family um as far as binging I've been trying to go more off of screens honestly just because um I've just been finding like the more I'm on screens the more I'm just kind of uh I don't know like I, I, I like it just kind of gets me down when I'm doing the, when I'm in quarantine here so I've been trying to uh you know, I've been trying to binge a couple of, uh, I've been trying to binge books. It's not always easy. Binging yeah. home improvement projects, uh, you know, Definitely. that kind of thing.
3: So yeah, yeah. i I feel you on that. I, I, I go, I don't know where, where you're at, Tom, but I go hiking quite a bit when, when the weather's nice. Yeah. I get outside and do some really sweet hikes. It was funny the other day. I went, uh, on the Appalachian Trail, um, near Mount Greylock and I, because it was Ooh. this waterfall hike I was trying to find and I didn't know the hike at all. I didn't really research the hike at all. I was like, oh, that sounds good. I, I should have done a little bit of research because I didn't realize until I was midway through it that it was a 1,500-foot climb, like, straight up to find this waterfall. <laughs> so I'm, like, you know, I'm, like, fooling around in the beginning. It's nice and flat, and there's, like, a brook next to the trail. It's, like, super nice, and you're walking, walking, and you're hiking up, and, like, you're going up for, like, 20, 25 straight minutes, and I like, get after, like, 12 minutes, I'm, like, this is getting ridiculous, and I just, <laughs> like, it's, like, you know, a little bit of research would have gone a long way into this thing, but I agree with you. Sometimes, you know, the, the whole screen, you know, getting away from screens, getting away from technology for a while is really great. Like I got a lot of my yard done. Like I got, uh, you know, all my grass raked, all my gardens cleaned out. Um, my mom's kind of got a green zone. She's a florist, which so is going to help me with some other gardening stuff. I'm just waiting for her to get over here to do that. But like I feel you on the step away from screen. Like the only thing I do binge though is like funny TV shows. Yeah. At least it's like uplifting, you know, it like makes you laugh and doesn't like, you know, get you depressed or anything. It's not like I'm watching. You know, a bunch of like weird documentaries. I'm watching like I've binged New Girl, Community, Brooklyn, Brooklyn Nine Nine, like during this whole thing, just like to keep my spirits up. But I totally get the whole we got to get away from our phones, get away from our laptops, and all that stuff to really embrace what's going on here before we go crazy.
0: No doubt that uh, the first three seasons of Community are, for my money, some of the best TV that have ever happened. Like those are just just insanely good.
3: I'm I'm with you on that, and I feel like sort of. Because, like, I watched New Girl first, and then I watched Community, and at first I was like, man, New Girl's just, like, kind of, a lot, like, just funnier. But when you when Community really gets going, it's unbelievably funny. And the problem with that show is, like, once they figured out the formula, because, like, it takes about a season, season and a half to figure out, like, what this show really is. And then, yeah. like, midway through season two and season three, they're, like, just throwing 105 miles an hour. Exactly. And then, <laughs> exactly. unfortunately, like, Donald Glover and Chevy Chase leave the show, and all of a sudden, like, oh, man, it's not nearly as good. But when, they're, when they were – I mean, when that show was really going, it's so – like, all the Paypal episodes are just an absolute riot. Every every Paypal episode I love. I love the, the, the running bit, too. Like, a lot of good shows have, like, that running bit thing, which I like a lot. But spend, I've actually gone back. And like rewatch some of the episodes, like the earlier ones, and, and that, you're right, they hold up so well. It's a fit, yeah, yeah,
0: no I mean, doubt. The, the the bits make up the show, which is fun.
3: Oh, no question.
0: So you know we're we're in
3: the middle of uh, shutdown, and we're trying to figure out how the hell basketball is going to get played. And another flip side of that, another hard part of what's going on, if you're like an NBA front office member, is like what the hell do we do in terms of evaluating this draft class that didn't have an NCAA tournament like how hard how much harder is it for you like you sit down you've been looking at guys all season you know do you pull out a lot of stock into to March Madness or are you more of like a, look there's way more taste you know the first you know six months of the year don't you know don't get super focused on the one month where we have a bunch of games and like one person gets talking and can change the entire outcome of the tournament.
0: You know, I I think that this, in terms of stock, it is a really useful tool just because there are so many games at once and you just get this big, like, influx of information. The problem is just kind of what you do with it. So if you watch, you know, all these games and you decide that, okay, like this guy who, you know, shot 30% from three and like, you know, 65% from the free throw line, you know, went off and had like a really hot streak from the field or something like that, um, you know, if that's what, you end up doing your entire evaluation on, then I think that you're going to be, it's going to be flawed and you shouldn't put any stock at that. But if you just take March Madness as a bunch of games sort of, you know, all coalescing at one time and, and that's, you know, that's the way you look at it, then I think it's fine. And that's generally how I've tried to watch it. Um, I do think that you can get so much just from the regular season, you know, just going back and watching film, watching games, um, you know, you, you can really get a, a good sense of a guy. So, it is a challenge in that we lost, you know, sort of the big the big influx of information, but we still had a lot of games to work from. I think you can still get a pretty good sense of a lot of these guys. Maybe not quite as good as we would have in, like, sort of a pressure cooker environment um, like March Madness, but you can still get, a, like, a real good sense of, of who these guys are, I think, um, just from the regular season.
3: You yeah, see, so the problem is March Madness, I think for myself included and for a lot of people, it's, like, when you start really focusing on college, you know, prospects and getting ready for, like, the NBA draft and all that stuff. And, and, and like, you know, conference tournament season, you know, right there is when I really start kind of – like, you know, I follow Syracuse with, you know, my my uh, my alma mater. Uh, sure. I follow them throughout the season as frustrating as that has been the past couple of years. Um, <laughs> but, like, I don't really – like, when I was in college, it was different. Like, I was always watching college basketball because I was in college. But once you get out, like, okay – like, I have to manage my time a little differently, and, and you know, you have to be the adult, and you can't just sit around, like, watching basketball, all day. Um, but, like, normally conference tournament season is, like, okay, that's when I start really paying attention, then by the time March Madness comes, i got a good idea of what's going on. You know, this year, obviously, a little bit different, but as, as you know, I've done a lot of research, I've been, I've been reading, watching, all this stuff. It seems like, in every seat says this, even, you know, the tippy top of the draft, this doesn't seem like a draft that's, like, you know, there's not like, obviously there's no Zion or Luca or anything, but it's like, it doesn't seem like there's a huge potential for a, a ginormous superstar to come out of this draft. And that's when I look at that, I, I analyze that. It seems like kind of the perfect draft of the seas because, you know, they don't need star talent right now. They're not, not fishing for a, a, a big fish here. They just need role players. And it seems like there are a bunch of role players on this draft that can really help Boston both in the short term and long term in terms of like who you're looking at.
0: I think that's somewhat fair. Um, I think even even given that, I think that the Celtics would just love for their three picks to be in next year's draft, um, just because next yeah. year's draft is is deep, both in terms of star talent and role players. So like, you know, there'd be a decent chance that somebody you really, really like might slip to you or whatever. But I do think that there is value to be found in this draft if you're looking at it the right way. Like if you have needs on your team that need to be addressed and you think you can get like, a solid role player who's going to be in the league for a long time, then, yeah, I think there's, I think there's plenty of guys um, in this year's draft that, um, you know, could be looked at that way. But, no, I, you're exactly right. Like, even the top of the draft where you're looking at guys who are, you know, potential all-stars down the road, you're not looking at a franchise-changing player. You're looking at somebody who's, you know, I mean, Anthony Edwards is, is going to be a nice player. I think he's going to be, you know, he might make a few all-star teams. But you're not looking at the kind of guy who, like, turns the entire, you know, the fortunes of a franchise around, I don't think, um, with any of the top guys. So, yeah, I mean, the top of the draft is a little bit down, but the middle certainly has guys who can do a lot of things that are useful at the NBA level.
3: If you had to pick, like, the perfect guy to fall to Boston, wherever that pick lines up, or let's say, let's maybe put it this way, Is it, you think it would be easier, because Boston has three picks, they don't have three roster spots. Like, they just, they just don't have those. So, right. would, it, is, would this draft maybe be a little bit easier to move up because there's no that, that superstar like that's hanging around, in, in your opinion?
0: Um, maybe I, I do think that one problem that they're going to run into is that, like, I don't know that a lot of teams at the top of the draft who are bad are going to want, you know, three mediocre picks, um, right. in, a, in a class that is kind of mediocre. And now you could make the case that, it, like, maybe a smart front office GM might say to himself, Look, if we pick up a bunch of potential role players who could help us down the road and then we're still bad next year, then maybe we get a chance to go after a Cunningham. Maybe we get a chance to go after a Jalen Green. Um, you know, maybe maybe that's maybe that's what a smart GM would do. But that's kind of a tall ask, you know, for a team. I mean, like take a team like, uh, you know, like, like a Minnesota or who hasn't been to the playoffs for forever. Are you gonna tell your fans, hey, listen, not only did you know, not only are we like struggling in the standings, we're also like gonna give up our draft pick for a bunch of guys who are probably not gonna be stars. Like that's that's kind of a tall ask. So, I mean, maybe like I think they could move up some. Um, but I mean the, the Celtics aren't the only team with, you know, fourteen or fifteen guys on the roster. Like it could be hard to uh uh to convince other teams that they need to take on three rookies at once. Like that that's kind of a lot. So we'll see. Um I, I certainly think they will explore that possibility, but I don't know that that's – you know, I I don't know how possible that's going to be. And I don't think that anybody should be looking at, like, the top five or, like, the top seven and thinking, oh, maybe the Celtics could get there. Like, that would be pretty tough to do with with three picks that start at number 17.
3: Yeah, it's it's not an ideal situation because – and it was one of the things that was – one of the things I wanted to watch the rest of the year was, uh, you know, you had – the Pelicans getting healthy at the right time, and and the the Grizzlies were like kind of banged up as we yeah. hit the shutdown. So one of the most, I, I would assume a lot of Celtics fans were all pushing this. One of the most compelling storylines the rest of the year for me was like can can New Orleans catch Memphis and bump them. I mean the, the odds of that pick not conveying are so like, kind of slim, but there's, like, you know, there's still a glimmer of hope that that could actually happen, but obviously yeah. can happen if, the, if the, grids, the Grids make the playoffs. And, like, not just to be selfish or anything, because I love the Grids, like, uh, John Morant is absolutely just breathtaking to watch, and I love Jared Jackson Jr. I thought that was a home run pick. I think he just really does a lot of things the modern NBA things need to do, but he also doesn't sacrifice, you know, uh, size or anything. He's still a really long, lanky defender, a really good, you know, a 1-2-5 defender, can shoot 3s do all that fun stuff. But I was just hoping just for selfish, you know, selfish reasons that they would fall out of the playoffs. And, and Boston might have shot to to convey the next year, where, again, as you said, there's just way better guys waiting for you. And, like, Jalen Green going to uh, the G League is always interesting. Of course, you got Kate Cunningham, who I think is just an absolute rock solid stud You know, Goodman had him on, I think, last year. And I was impressed with the maturity of, like, a 17-year-old kid. He was just so – he he's – really, really advanced. You can tell, like, some of these guys that come out of high school now that, that are, like, kind of ready. They're also, like, ready to answer questions like an adult, sort of. Like, one what, what of the things I look for, like, when, when the C's drafted smart and young uh, in that same draft, just this, what really attracted me to smart, although court, on the play court uh, stuff was, like, really unbelievable. Like, he could handle himself. He'd carry a conversation. He knew a little bit of the history of the Celtics, which really appealed to me. And then James Young, as much as I loved watching him play, like, he just, he wasn't a great, he didn't speak well in front of people i just thought at first like man i don't know like i don't have a good feeling about it even though i like i like the prospect if you had to pick a guy tom if like just say that the draft breaks right for boston he was like the perfect guy you think that that could fall to boston would fit in like right away and, and like boston would do backflips to their you know in their, their war room that they just got all of them what guy is that for you
0: It's tough to say just because it is so wide open. I mean, I think one guy to look at is, uh, is Devin Bissell. Um, played for Florida State. He's, uh, I mean, he's, 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 he's going to be such a plug and play NBA player, I think, Mm -hmm. because he's such, you know, he's, he's super long, um, really, really good shooter. Um, and and he's just very, he takes a lot of pride in his defense, I think, and and that, um, at his position with the kind of length and the kind of athleticism that he has, he's, um, you know, just a, a really, impressive prospect in that way. I, I think that he would be really good for the Celtics. Um, I think that there's, there's a couple other guys like Sadiq Bay is kind of similar um, where he's not as athletic as, um, as Vassell, but he's very talented, um, you know, very skilled kind of role player potential um, should be able to defend multiple positions. Um, again, a really good shooter. I think that's what the Celtics could try to take advantage of in this draft is that there's a lot of like spot up shooter type players Aaron Naismith, you know, very um, you know, pretty powerfully built guy who shot like fifty-two percent from three this year before he got injured. Um, so those are guys that I think that they would obviously take a look at. Um I, I'd be curious to see what happens with and I'm gonna butcher his name, even though I've watched a lot of film of him. Uh Alexej uh Pokasevsky. Um
3: he's <laughs> yes, <laughs> not there, buddy.
0: That's a tough one, man. Yeah. Um and, and And when I, and when I think about being a beat writer and having to write his name a million times, I'm like, "Ah, I don't know about this. Uh, (laughs) but he, he's a, he's a seven footer. Um, he played in the same, um, Greek division that Giannis did, um, this last year. So it's not very good competition, but he moves like a wing, moves like a guard. Um, put up kind of similar numbers to Giannis, actually, which, I mean, obviously could, could really go either way. But when you look at the, the physical stuff, he, again, he's seven foot. Um, good, really, really good passer, good shooting potential, um, can handle the ball pretty well. So those would be some of the guys that I would look at. I think that if you wanted to take a big swing at like a potential star, I, I think that Pokosevsky has some star potential. Like we'll see what happens with him if he, if he becomes one, but I think there's some potential there. And then I think if you just want somebody, if you just want to take a safe pick and you're like, look, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are stars, just need to put somebody good around them. Then I think you start looking at some of the wings who can defend multiple positions and can shoot a little bit, um, and that you might be able to plug and play right away. I think there's several of those guys who will be available um, when the Celtics make their pick.
3: Yeah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna piggyback on Vishal for a second. because he's like my baby right now. Like I, I, this is something I I marked a couple of months ago when I was starting to you know starting to kill, like hone in on college basketball. I was starting to watch him, and the thing that caught me right away. Is, Defensively, he's just like kind of a red. You could just drop him on the floor today, and he'd figure yeah. out defensively. And that's where you know, you know, the Celtics. That's where kind of where they really care about you know your defensive performance. And we've seen that in the past with like just name the rookies. That if you can't hack it defensively on the court, you're not gonna get playing time. Like Marcus Smart played a lot, partly because the team was just not good, and you know he had the ability to you know just get a lot of playing playing time just because the team was bad but also because he could hold his own defensively from day one and not be out of place. Like Jalen Brown first started, like you remember going back, he would be pull up floor if he missed defensive rotations. without like that was a problem. And Vassell is just, as you mentioned, it's just a long ass defender, a wing defender. Boston loves wing defenders. I think they prioritized it um a little bit the past couple of drafts to get guys that can switch on the wing defensively, can guard up and down. Um, you know, two through four, one through four, somewhere in there. And as they go smaller, like guys can hang with fives a little bit. Um, But Vassell also as a three-point shooter can really spread the four. The one, he, you know, shoots – he has a great uh, track record in the past few years. You know, first year at Florida State, 41% on seven attempts a game. This year, 42% on five attempts a game. It's so, not like he's afraid to get him off. shoots a great percentage. And, again, in this modern NBA, like a three-and-ding – Three D wing player like that is going to impact the game very positively. I think if you're Boston, you're looking at him and saying like, "Man, if we find a way, to, if he falls to us, that would be unbelievable." Uh, and, and I think you know, you look at some of the guys that went out Florida State recently. Like, have all been somewhat decent defenders. And Jonathan Isaac is uh, unfortunately injured all the time. But when he's on the floor, he's just he's captivating. Um, yeah. You look at his teammate like Patrick Williams has been. You know, you look at him. He looks like he spent some time at the Ojale Factory. And (laughs) uh, he's he's, he's a grown-ass man, but he also plays, like, really good defense. And I know Boston prioritizes that um, because the way they switch on defense. I mean, they have – all their – like, they take so much pride in their wing defenders between Hayward, Brown, Tatum, and I'll even throw Smart in there just because Smart can just kind of cover anybody. Like, he goes from covering, like, Chris Paul to Porzingis. You know what I mean? Like, there's just a lot of height in between there that he can make up for. So, they have a bunch of those guys. And it seems like Vassell would fit right in there, and but my my problem is like I I don't know if he falls there. I don't like I've seen there are a couple of drafts where and in mock drafts are dumb. We all know this. It's just a way for us to you know kind of get an idea of who's good. Um, but I've seen some mock drafts where he's like in the second round, and I immediately don't even count those. There's no yeah. way a guy shooting forty percent it from his career from three on five and a half attempts a game in like the most shooting conscious era of basketball. There's no way this guy – like, the same thing with Aaron Neesmith, who I like a lot as the shooter out of Vanderbilt, who I'm sure we'll get to in a second. Like, there's no way those guys fall over the bottom of the first round, second round, just because they're so good at shooting, and that's such a priority in today's NBA.
0: For sure. I mean, I think that there's a lot of teams – I agree with you on Vassell. I mean, I think if you want to make the case for the Celtics trading up from, like, 17 to 13, I think that Vassell yeah. is going to go somewhere in that, like, 11 to 15 range. Um, like, that just feels like right where he's going to be at. So, I mean, you know, maybe somebody like R.J. Hampton, maybe somebody like Cole Anthony, um, you know, slides down below him. Like, I could definitely see that. But, no, I, I agree. I mean, I think when you're talking about guys who the Celtics might hope slips to them, I think Vassell is, you know, like somebody to keep an eye on. But, no, I mean, he's he's so long. He's And he's got a good head on his shoulders. Like, I mean, everybody who, like, comes out of, you know, the people around Florida State certainly seem to have, like, a lot of good things to say about him. He is defensive minded. Like he does check a lot of boxes um, in a, in a draft where it's tough to find guys sometimes who, who check uh, boxes like that. So I wouldn't expect him to be on the board, but if he is, I would not be at all surprised to see the Celtics, uh, you know, snap him up.
2: Quick break tight. Today's show is brought to you in part by BetOnline.ag. with currently no NBA, no NHL or MLB. You might think there's nothing to bet on it. well, You'd be wrong about that. Our exclusive partner, betonline.ag, still has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on. From their online casino to poker and blackjack, as they are bringing Vegas, literally, to your living room, wherever your computer is. Missing the NFL? No problem. BetOnline has live, daily Madden simulations that you can wager on. And if you're in an entertainment betting, you can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices... Even the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. Open 24 hours a day and all online. Visit the website or use your mobile device and join today to receive your new welcome bonus. Bet Online, your online wagering solution.
1: As you know by now, I'm finally doing something about my weight and my health by starting Awaken 180 Weight Loss. I've already dropped about 18 pounds, and I'm not the only one. Kendrick Perkins is down about 30 pounds, and we're just two of 11,000 who found the solution for weight loss. No gym, no medication, no tricks, or gimmicks. Awaken 180, a combination of science, nutrition, and expert one-on-one coach. If you have weight to lose, I recommend you call Paige and her team. You'll lose weight starting the first week and each and every week until you get to your ideal weight. Awaken 186 locations. But during this lockdown, they're starting clients virtually. The same program from the comfort of your own. Simply log in to Awaken180WeightLoss.com. Fill out the form online and start your weight loss transformation. Awaken 180 Weight Loss, the official weight loss program for the Boston Red Sox. Who was your favorite
3: guys?
0: Uh, I'm, I'm interested. I'm I actually, one of the predictions that I have, um, uh, that I've, that I've been kind of sitting on is I think the Celtics are going to, and this is not based on any conversations I've had with people. This is just a, a guess, um, Emmanuel quickly, uh, checks a lot of Celtics boxes. Um, first of all, you know, he's like a smart, uh, playmaker who can do a lot of things. He can pass, he can dribble, he can shoot guys. Celtics like the guys who can do that, who can um, kind of take on a lot of different roles. He's big uh, for a point guard, so he can kind of play both the one and the two. He's, uh, you know, not like a not, – not a Marcus Smart defender, but he certainly, like, gives effort. Um, he, he's very smart. And I think the other thing to keep an eye on is a lot of times I think the Celtics like to try to take advantage of guys who were highly rated in high school and who they got a decent scout on, but then for whatever reason might not have, like, flourished in college. Because sometimes those are guys – you know, take a Romeo Langford, for example, like sometimes there are circumstances around those guys um, that are the reason that they slipped. So for Romeo, he had a broken thumb. The Celtics like thought that they could still do something with him. Um, you know, based on what they'd seen in high school, they thought that he had a lot of potential that he might not have been able to show at Indiana. And obviously they took him. I think that there's some of that with quickly, like he was, you know, maybe the number, number eight, number 10, something like that prospect coming out of high school. And, you know, he slipped a little bit. He went back for a second year. He's, he's been at Kentucky for a little while. So he's a guy that I would keep an eye on. Super good shooter. Um, definitely an intriguing guy. And then I, I've been very intrigued by Aaron Naismith. Um, you talked about how many threes Vassell was willing to get up. Uh, Aaron Naismith was shooting like almost nine threes a game and hitting them at a 52% clip. I think that was a hot, I think that's a hot streak. I don't think he would have continued. Um, but, you know, that's. That's really good. And the one other guy that I would keep an eye on is uh, Tyrell Terry. I don't totally have a great sense of him. I didn't watch him a lot during the year. um, So I've been kind of going back and watching him a little bit now. He's got a little bit, and I want to couch this very carefully. I do not think that Tyrell Terry is Steph Curry or Trey Trey Young, but he's got a little bit of that magic um, where he can shoot from deep out of the pick and roll. He's a good passer and he's a good ball handler and he's like really talented in the pick and roll to where I think a team might look at him and be intrigued enough to take a shot at him. Like he's six foot one. He's really skinny. There's like definitely major problems with him defensively and he's going to get eaten alive his first year, um, defensively at the NBA level. But if you wanted to take, to take a flyer on a guy, like, you know, late in the first rounds, he can really, really shoot. He can really shoot off the dribble. And he could really shoot coming around to pick and roll. And those are guys, I think, in the modern NBA who have the potential to become something a little bit more than just uh, than just a role player. Sometimes
3: I don't know if it's Neesmith Smith or Nate Smith. I, I have no idea on here. I, I, I've heard Neesmith. Smith. It doesn't really matter. I just want to throw some numbers at you. And this is courtesy to Steffi, and who, was an awesome resource. If you guys are already using it, Chef Colt's Wicker, who's always on the show. Uh, Naismith, is, you talking about a lights out shooter. I just want to read you some numbers <laughs> because it's just, like, ridiculous.
0: There um, in, in 2019,
3: 2020, here I'm going to go from the uh, left corner to the right corner, all the way around in terms of three-point percentage. He shot 44% from the left corner. Uh, from the left wing, 57%. 53% at the top of the key. 51% from the right wing. And he shot a blistering 63%. From the right corner this past season, from three-point range. Then, if you go, they go a little bit deeper off uh, off screens and dribble handoffs. He's like even better. He had 71% from three-point range on top of the key from uh, last season on a dribble handoff or off screen. Like that is I mean, that is just that is that is Steph Curry type numbers right there. Those are ridiculous. <laughs> so, but again, you know you're, you're 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 prioritizing shooting it more often than you ever have in NBA history. And if you're like gonna take a shot at a guy, and this is like. The one thing about the Chiefs having three draft picks kind of goes back to, like, a Bill Belichick staple here. And I uh, agree with Belichick a lot uh, more often than I disagree with him. I'll just leave it at that. But sometimes having multiple shots of the dark board uh, works out better. I call it a prey and spray sort of drafting uh, the yep. scenario here. So if you have three picks, I mean, the odds of you maybe hitting on one of them, obviously, are a little bit greater. And if one of your guys that you get is Aaron Naismith, who is just a lights-out shooter from all over the floor, then, like, life could be worse for you. I mean, you know, it, it, it's the worst. I think we've kind of already seen this in terms of, like, RJ Hunter where RJ, like, was a, you know, somewhat pretty good three-point shooter in college, had a weird stroke. Naismith's shot is just way cleaner than his. Um, but, like, a guy that could fill it up in three-point range, that's, like, the worst-case scenario, I guess. And if that's the worst-case scenario, I would obviously take a shot on, on, on ne- uh, Neesmith or Naismith or whatever the hell you want to say it. He's just a prolific three-point shooter, and Boston, you know, you, you know, Tatum is blossomed into just an unbelievable three-point shooter, and his yeah. like, step back, uh, his step back off one dribble is just like I don't know how at 23 years old that you have mastered that shot and that is like your shot. That's his dirt fadeaway right there, but that's for some reason that's like the best tool in his arsenal and it's like almost unblockable. Um, besides like Tatum, they don't really have like a really prolific three-point shooter. Like we've seen Kemba get hot, we've seen Hayward get hot. We've seen, you know, Jalen Hopkins. Those guys, you know, they're they're decent shooters. but so they're not like white out shooters like this guy is. And I, I think if you end up walking away, and even at 17, I wouldn't even be mad about it if they got him at 17 because you know what you're getting. You know, you talk about defensively. You know, we'll see if he can fit in. But when you have other guys in the floor with you, like a Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, you know, uh, Ty Moore, and Rob Williams, then you're going to have guys that can help you out in the defensive end. So maybe, you know, drafting with defense in mind doesn't have to be a, a complete priority for you because you have other guys around him to, to kind of step it up. I don't know, I don't know about uh, Naismith defensively. I'm not sure if he's like uh, an all around elite prospect in terms of that, but I, he must be somewhat okay. Although I was watching some of the games that Vanderbilt's uh, playing. They're like playing teams that I've never heard of before and like are losing and not like, yeah. losing like like five to nothing going to be in the game. I'm like, it's like the second half of the game and they're losing to some team that never heard of before, which is usually a concern.
0: Yeah. I mean, Naismith is strong. Um, he's like, he's pretty well built. Um, uh, he is not, I would not say that he is a, uh, an elite defender by any stretch of the imagination. Um, yeah. but, and, and I would also point out just one thing to keep in mind about his shooting is that I think in the NBA level, he's a spot up shooter. So you are getting a floor spacer who is like pretty well built and like gives effort on the defensive end. He's not elite, but he's, he's good enough. I would say he's like, you know, at, at his peak in the NBA, he'll probably be a pretty good defender. And he is a, you know, just an absolute, you know, marksman um, as a spot up three point shooter. And I, I would guess that that's going to be about it for him. Um, and that's, and that's valuable. You know, like if, if you take a look and you say, okay, we got like a stronger Danny green, like that's, yeah. That's a very, that's a very valuable player. Um, it's not going to change your fortunes as a franchise, but it could have, help you quite a bit coming off your bench or whatever. So like, yeah, he's, I mean, he's an intriguing guy. Um, again, he got, he hit an absolute heater this year. I don't think he's like an actual like 50%, but I think he's probably like a 42, 43% normally three point shooter. And that's, you know, really good. The other thing to keep in mind with him is that he had a stress fracture in his foot. I think, you know, all the reports that I've seen, like it sounds like he's not expecting that to be a, a, a big problem going forward. But I mean, you know, anytime, especially a guy like him, I mean, who the way that he gets open, he's really good at running around off the ball and, you know, cuts and relocating and that kind of thing, like finding open spots on the floor. Um, you know, you, you worry a little bit about a guy who's, who's had foot problems, who's going to have to do all that planting and moving, but, I don't think it's, I mean, I, I'm not, if the Celtics picked him, I wouldn't put that high on my list of concerns with him. I, I think he'll right. probably be fine. Um, and that's, you know, but again, that's something to keep in mind. Like you're probably getting a, uh, a guy who is going to just keep running and running and moving and moving until he's open. And I mean, that's, that's really valuable at the NBA level.
3: I was I was doing some research last night and a little bit this morning, and I'm like going through trying to see some guys that I like that in that, in that 17, 15, 18, you know, 19, 20 range. And so it depends on, on what you're reading. Like I, I saw like RJ Hampton only on a 17. I'm like, I don't think he falls all the way down that far. I mean, he's had a pretty productive, you know, one year in, in Australia. It, you know, seems like a pretty good kid. Um, you know, I, I've seen some where like Isaac Accoro drops and I don't, again, I do not see that happening at all because he's just a really good fender like right away. Like, he's not the best shooter, obviously, but he'll get there. I think he's, it's just a matter of, you know, him yeah. working on some things. Um, yeah. but I mean, you look at some of the other guys, that are like, I looked at Jaden McDaniels last night. I did it again this morning. Um, I always get concerned with guys from from Washington. You know, Coach Hopkins, who I love to depth, uh, is, you know, a zone guy. But they did play some man. They played more man than, than therapy does. Um, but, like, I always get concerned about guys from that kind of program that play primarily zone, like coming to the NBA and defending um, at an elite level. But, of course, you have Matisse Dibal, who – last year uh, played, at, you know, Washington and it's like one of the best young defenders immediately in the NBA, but maybe, maybe because yeah. I'm watching McDaniels and I'm like, man, he's a really good weak side blocker um, moves really well for a guy at 6'10". He's, he's, you know, pretty athletic. He's long as hell. Um, his jump shot varies between very clean to a complete disaster. Like I'm, I'm watching him and he's, he's, he's and sometimes it's rushed and it looks gross, but it goes in, which is like, okay. But other times, it, it looks really clean. You're like, wow, he set himself. He got himself square at the basket. You can see, like, an actual – he didn't dip it down too far. You know, was like, real thought put into that. But other times, you watch him in traffic, and he just has, like, no idea what to do. Like, and he's a guy that they were if they were to draft him, would be like, you just got to go to Maine and work on some stuff, uh, like, pretty much the entire – I wouldn't even expect to see him the first year, like, at all, unless something drastic happens to all the bigs in the Celtics rotation. Um, but he's the guy that has – you know, he's kind of a blank canvas. He has a couple of things that I really like in, in an era of, you know, space and spacing. If that three-point shot can, you know, you can rein that in a little bit. He's a pretty valuable piece, I think.
0: So I I don't have a great – Jaden McDaniels is interesting because I watched him a lot this year, and I actually mm-hmm. saw him a, a few times in high school um, as well. And I've just – I have never – I've never seen what other people see in him. Um, he's okay. – obviously he's got, you know, the length – certainly like the mobility, definitely. Um, you know, he's, he's probably like six, eight, six, nine. He's very, very tall for a wing. Um, I think one of the things that really hurt him was early on people saw this like lanky mobile talented guy and they were like, Oh, Hey, it's a new Kevin Durant. And just like, no, (laughs) no, 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 no. Um, like, I I don't know. I've seen him get shut down too many times by like smaller guys who are just kind of like enthusiastic. Um and like I mean I, I remember I watched uh, Scotty Lewis who played for Florida this year. Um I watched him at the hoop hall just just obliterate Jaden McDaniels. Like Jaden might have had like six points um in that game and, and just Scotty just ran rough shot over him. Scotty's like six four and just as skiddy as Jaden is. So like yeah. I, I don't know. I, I have my concerns about him. I, I get it. Like if you if you're a team that really, really believes in your development system and the Celtics certainly do, um, then maybe you take a shot on him. But I also kind of think that one of the reasons that's, that a good development system works is because of good scouting, too. Like, you, there has to be something there to develop. And McDaniels certainly has the measurables. He certainly has, like, some of the skills. He certainly got the mobility. But I, I don't know. I, I, uh, I'm not high on him. I would probably – if on the Celtics, I would probably stay away just because it's harder for me to see a way for him to become sort of a plug-and-play player and I would rather, if I'm the Celtics, I would rather take that plug-and-play player because I think that you know Jalen and, and Tatum are ready to compete right now. So if I, you know, if I'm Danny Ainge, I'm like, let me give these guys somebody that they that can that can help them right now. That can um, you know kind of open things up. I don't think Jaden McDaniel's is that guy.
3: Yeah, I I somewhat agree with you uh, with because uh, you, you watch him and he like doesn't blow by anybody. Like he, he has, no, yeah, he's confident in the open floor. Like, and I was kind of surprised about that. Like he he. Is willing to grab a rebound, in the defensive end like and then take it all the way himself. But when you watch him in half court situations, he just doesn't blow by anybody. And you're like, okay, well, if he can't blow by anybody, you know, you're gonna have to rely on a, ugly, a really ugly jump shot sometimes. That it's in my notes. Like I, again, I love some of the athleticism and, and defensively, I like guys that you know uh, can move their feet really well at that size. But he, again, right there in bold, doesn't blow by people. Doesn't have a huge arsenal of dribble moves. Has decent body control. But, you know, at some point, you know, you have to be able to, you can't just rely on a couple of things. It, it, it makes, it makes you a better player, it, especially if you're a wing player, six nine or six eight. like there are quick guys in the league. And if you have a guy like 6'4", who you can't get by, and you just have to rely on shooting over him all the time, unless you're a really good shooter, that's just not gonna work. So in a way, I yeah. see what you're saying in terms of like, I would stay away from him. But at some point, you know, like, when it comes to, like, a guy like like Romeo Langford, right? And I'm, I'll be honest with you with Romeo. I'm, like, a little shocked about how good defensively he was, like, kind of right away. Um, then – because I I knew him more as, like, a scorer. You know, he's, like, you know, Mr. Indiana, uh, you know, goes to Indiana and is, is the you know, focal point offensive to him. I didn't know he was a good defender. But then you watch him in, you know, the short couple of games he's really played in, and you're like, man, this guy's just not – you know, mess around defensively. He's, he's, he knows where he's supposed to be. He has good feet. He's got a good head on his shoulders. He's, he, he can stay with guys. He's tough to get by. He, he competes. He can defend. And I look at that. I'm like, well, okay, maybe, you know, as a developmental guy, I thought he would t- take a little bit longer. But because you can defend right away, it kind of gets on the floor quicker. Like, that, that's the point with McHale. I don't know. I don't think he's good enough defensively to see any floor times. Then you're just going to send him down to Maine to develop the entire time.
1: And, again, you
3: have to really trust your development, and I think Boston does, as you said. But, you know, it might just be, you know, too much, too big of a risk. But, again, at some point in this draft, you're going to have to do the risk risk reward board thing. Like, okay, we're, you know, in the in the mid-20s, and he's still on the board. You might not get a guy that could potentially be what Jaden McDaniels is supposed to be. Although, again, it's tantalizing. you know, I understand. Yeah. You get in love with the raw letters sometimes. And it, it, like, you look at a guy, uh, Marquise Chris, also out of Washington, who, like, had a couple of – decent highlight tapes, but then you watch him play, and he has no idea what to do with the basketball game.
0: Yeah, and I mean now you're seeing Marquise Chris kind of become a useful player for a team. So you know maybe it just takes some time. I one thing that I will say about McDaniel's is when you watch him play, if you if you go back and watch any of his high school film, which if you're that kind of a psycho, then I don't know, call me or something, we can hang out. Um, yeah, but like say, time the, uh, yeah <laughs> yes, um, but like if you go back and watch his high school film, it. it it kind of make his game makes a lot of sense because you mentioned like he doesn't blow by anybody. He doesn't play in the half court very well. And that's because when he was in high school, he handled the ball a lot. Like he had the ball in his hands. If he got a rebound, he was taking off and going the entire length of the floor. So he spent, you know, four years in high school being this six foot nine kid who could kind of handle the ball could kind of run and get out in the open floor. He practiced that for all that time and he kind of became who he is now. Um, Problem is that, you know, I don't think that he's, he's not, I mean, he's not good enough to like, to do that at the collegiate level. He's not good enough to do that at the NBA level, at least not consistently. So at that point, you're kind of looking at a guy who was really, really good at something in high school, but like, you know, just isn't quite physically, isn't physically um, dominant enough to do that at the NBA level. And I think that's kind of the difference between him and somebody like Romeo where In high school, Romeo could play in the half court. Like, he could blow by guys. He could, you know, handle the ball and get around people in the pick and roll and get to the rim and all this other stuff. Like, he could do all that stuff. Um, I'm not sure that we necessarily saw Jaden doing all that stuff at the high school level to the point that I would be comfortable taking him um, after what we've seen in college.
3: Yeah, and look, uh, when you look at high school tape, it's really difficult because, like, Normally, the guys that are really good are just, like, a lot better than everybody else. It's like, oh, okay. Right, for like, sure. You know, <laughs> just kind of happens. So, I find it hard sometimes to evaluate high school things. Uh, a couple more before we get you out of your top. Best player in this draft We're all said a sudden done, it's going to be who? going to be LaMelo.
0: I, I like LaMelo, man. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, so much depends on his shot. But he is – he's big. Hard. I mean, he's tall. He's an unbelievable passer. Great feel for yep. the game. I'll probably stick with Anthony Edwards for now. Um he is a I mean, just his athleticism is, is so high. I've seen him be a really good shooter, like, you know, come around screens. He obviously he had kind of a down year in that regard, but I mean I, I, I would stick with him for now. He would be my number one pick. Um I would love to I would love to have the guts <laughs> I would love to have the guts to take on Yeka Kangwu. Um I number one. I, I love, him. love him. I love, love him. him. Um, he's. I forget I mean, just, when I got
3: introduced to him, but I was like, I don't know who the fuck this guy is. He's part of my pitch, <laughs> and I was like, man, I love
0: this guy. I like, well, thing is his motor is ridiculous. I mean, absolutely ridiculous on both ends. Dude, I love it. I mean, well, and the interesting thing about him too is like he's part of the reason he went kind of under the radar until this year is because most of his high school career he spent playing with the Ball Brothers. Um, so he, he was playing alongside Lonzo and LaMelo and LiAngelo and like, yes, obviously they were going to take all the, all the shine, but like, I saw him play with those guys in high school. And I remember thinking like, okay, yeah, like I get it. The ball brothers are really fun, but like this Okungwu kid is nice. Like he, he shut down Bam Adebayo as a sophomore in the game that I watched. Like he was, he was really good. Um, so I really like him. I don't know that he's going to be the best player in the draft, but if if I had the number one pick, I would give him some serious consideration just because I'm not certain that any of the other guys are going to pan out and I think that he is going to pan out as a super high level role player so I, I think there's a lot of value in that um so I mean yeah it, it, I, I think that the best player in the class will probably be either Edwards or Lomelo I, I like them both quite a bit but Okungwu is probably my favorite of the guys who are in that top five range
3: what do you do with Wiseman I have no idea how to evaluate him like zero clue. you I don't zero.
0: E- I don't either man I He's tough. Like, I think if you, if you take him in the first, in the top five, you're not going to get fired. You know, it's not, it's not a bad choice. Um, if you're a GM, like, if the seven foot one guy who is super, super athletic and has shown some potential to like space out to the mid range, if that guy doesn't work out, then like, I think that you've, you had an excuse to draft him. Like, that's fine. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I, I wouldn't take him number one for sure. I would take any of the, I would take any of the three guys I mentioned before ahead of him. Um, but you know, it's, it's really tough. I I think you draft him. I think what you do is you draft, if you're, if you're a team, you have to believe in your developmental system, but if you draft him, um, you tell him right away, look, this is what we want you to be. And you're going to have to like, if you don't want to do it, then that's, that's tough. I'm sorry. Like you, you are a pick and roll big, you are a drop big man in defensive coverage, we are going to turn you into, like, somebody who is really good at those things, because you have that potential, and if that doesn't work out, you know, I don't know, I don't know where he goes, because, I mean, I I don't know the guy personally, I don't really, I don't, I haven't talked to anybody who's around him at all, I've heard that he thinks that he's, you know, kind of a Giannis-esque player, because he can, because he thinks he can dribble and stuff, yeah, exactly, like, and, I mean, some of that is just, like, the fact that he's a teenager and teenagers right. believe things about themselves. Like, that could be fine. Like, maybe in five years he's, you know, prime Tyson Chandler. Like, I don't think that's out of the question. But, you know, he's <laughs> – there's the risk there.
3: Are we taking prime Tyson Chandler, like, number one overall in a draft? Like, that's, that's my – you know, so I if mean, he crossed out as prime Tyson. I mean, Tyson Chandler, I mean, if, you know – he did. He win Defensive Player of the Year a couple of times. I know he's first team All Defense a couple of times. I don't know if he yeah, won. I think he did. Yeah, Defensive Player of the Year. But I know. I mean, again, I'm not trying to throw shade at Tyson Chandler. Guys, just throwback big and was uh, was tough as nails for a bunch of teams. You know, yeah. in the early 2000s. I mean, he is. You know, you go back to those Mavericks teams, and even like we played in New York, he still wasn't bad. Um, but like, you know, if I'm drafting the top five, and I end up with Tyson Chandler. Uh, or a Tyson Chandler White, like, I'm not going to be, like, too thrilled about that. You know what I mean? Like, I, as, again, as much as people might like him, and again, I have no, like, we have no clue with him, and I feel kind of bad in this situation. It's a little weird. Um, you know, Penny gives him a bunch of money to go move to Memphis, and then all of a sudden Penny comes uh, to the coach in Memphis not too long after, but, um, you know, Wiseman is just a tough one to, 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 just to, to get any grip on, and people, there are people that love him, there are people that don't like him at all, so it's just kind of a weird mixture. Um, but with that, Tom, I got to let you go, buddy. We got to get out of here. I appreciate you joining me here today during this particular quarantine episode of self Speed here on CLS Media. You can follow Tom um, and all the stuff at Mass Live. Any, anything you've come out with recently, Tom, in terms of um, stuff we should check out, in terms of like, you have like a, a, a portal where you can check out some of your, uh, your scouting reports and some of the guys talked about? <laughs>
0: I, I mean, you know, we'll be doing a lot of draft stuff over the next little while. Um, I've got a new podcast people can check out if they're interested. Geno time. I do it with uh, Nicole Yang of the Boston Globe, so they can check that out. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's that, that's the extent of it. We're just trying to, you know, how it is. We're trying to, yeah, to build up content as, as best we can here uh, over over this uh, over this quarantine. So yeah, we no, I, I appreciate you having me on. It. I will say the one thing that we didn't get to is me gushing about Cassius Stanley for like 30 minutes. So if you need oh, me to come back on for, at any point before the draft.
3: You can do about like ten seconds, fifteen seconds on Cassius Stanley if you want. I get, I get it's hard to evaluate some of the Duke and Kentucky guys all the time. And Cassius yeah. Stanley is one of these guys where I have just no you know, short season. And I have no clue with him. Yeah. Do you want to go? Um, you can go if you want. Go ahead. Give me like give me like thirty seconds.
0: All right, thirty seconds on Cassius Stanley. Yeah. If you are if you are drafting a player in this year's draft and you just want to get somebody who you know is going to be in the absolute upper tier of the league, not of this draft class, of the, abs- of the entire league, you could go draft Cassius Stanley. You would get a guy who is bouncier than Zion Williamson. He had a higher vertical league than Zion Williamson, and who actually was a better shooter than most people expected. He has a brutal handle, just like one of the worst handles you'll ever see. But that guy can absolutely float. He absolutely flies. He's one of the most freakish athletes I've ever seen. And one of my favorite prospects in this year's draft. So there's my 30 seconds on uh on uh Cassius Stanley.
3: Yeah, I'm I'm, so, I'm bummed we didn't talk more about him, but uh wants we'll to sit for <laughs> another time. But Cassius Stanley, look him up, folks. He's got another good one for sure. It was again one of those guys who was super in terms of like draft class, when you go look at the, the high school rankings, there's a guy that was toward the top of the list right there.
0: Yeah, yeah, he was he was highly thought of in high school. Uh, played with some played with some more talented teammates, but yeah, really, uh, really, really good player. A lot of fun to watch.
3: Tom Westerholm, morning, thanks to the business. Appreciate it, Tom. Have a great rest of your year in quarantine day. We'll talk to you soon. Sounds good, man. Thanks for having me on.
2: And that'll do it for this edition of Celtics Beat here on CLNS Media, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of your Boston Celtics, Evan Valenti taking off today. But before I do, a couple things. First and foremost, make sure you subscribe to the show, iTunes, Stitcher. Make sure you subscribe to the CLNS Media YouTube channel. Also, big shout-outs to Tom Westerholm today for joining me. And a big shout-out to you guys, because you guys are the greatest people on Earth. Thank you for tuning in much love. Adam should be back soon. I want to thank Adam for letting me host this week. I thank you to Nick. A thank you to John. thank you to Larry. And especially again, once more all of you out there in the uh, I don't know, what whatever section of the internet you live on. Thank you for joining us here today. We'll see you guys soon.